Welcome to the show. I am your host, Kevin Valley, and today we are talking to an event producer, talent manager, PR and media relations professional, Kira Denell. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, Kira. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm blessed. No complaints. Well, I'm blessed to have you here. I am absolutely honored. <laughs> so, Kira, you are a Trinidadian living, well, you say you live out your suitcase. Practically. Practically living out your suitcase. But you left Trinidad when you were 12 years old, but you are still waving the Caribbean flag high wherever you go. Everywhere I go. I'm the proudest Trini there is. So, but what inspires that? So like growing up as a child, where did you see yourself going? Because you left here as 12 years old, right? So when you're a little girl growing up in, which part of Trinidad? I was born in San Fernando, grew up in Central. Okay. Where did you see yourself be when you say, I want to be this when I grow up? I actually wanted to be a flight attendant, funny enough. Oh, that's a good job. you know. Yeah. I always wanted to be a flight attendant because I traveled a lot from when I was little. And I just always admired that they were, the ladies were just so nicely dressed and so pleasant. And, you know, they were always on a plane going somewhere. Yeah. That's some of the best customer service you could ever get. Agreed. Anyway, because you, you have to deal with all kinds of people. Exactly. And it's not an easy job at all. Okay. So you go to one of the best schools in Central. Holy Fit Convent in Cuba. And then you jump on a plane. What happens? And I go to Toronto. My parents split up. Mom moved to Toronto. And of course, being a mommy's girl, the only place I was going was with her. So moved to Toronto and pretty much lived in Toronto until I was, I would say, 31 or so. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, after you moved to Toronto, would you always visit Trinidad and stuff? I would come home every year. So every single year I would come home for the summers. I would come home. I started coming home religiously for carnival 11 years ago. Every year I've been home. Prior to that, I would come home in the summers to come see my dad. A lot of my friends still lived in Trinidad. So I was always here. Okay. So you're that homesick Trini. Yeah. There was one year that I came and stayed for like nine months and I didn't want to go back to high school. Nine months is not a vacation. (laughs) (laughs) I did not want to go back to high school. I was like, what if I just stay here? Like I can just get a job. I'm like 17, you know? How did you get nine months off of school? I didn't. That was the thing. <laughs> so what, how, how did you work that out? <sighs> it, was, it was just, it was a situation within itself, but it worked out, you know, <laughs> I'm listen, just going to leave it at here. that. I ask a lot of questions <laughs> to the people. Don't try to be vague on here. <laughs> oh gosh. Let's just say that I had really good teachers. <laughs> okay. Okay, fine. I'll leave you alone. I'll let you off the hook. So then what? You go to university, you study business I went management. to college. Yep. I went mm-hmm. to Humber College, studied business management. And two years in, I actually got a job, a part-time job. And I went through the motions of, hey, I can make money, then go to school. And I actually dropped out of college the second year in. And I got a full-time job and just was working. So you didn't really like school very much? I love school, but I think that I just saw the dollar signs. And, you know, it was a struggle in Toronto to begin with. So I decided that that was the avenue that I wanted to go. And that's what I did. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't suggest anybody else doing it. Why not though? Well, I mean, so I would always tell people chase their passions and, you know, go after what they believe in and so forth. But everything that's on the postcard. Right. But at the end of the day, school is important because there's a disciplinary side of it. You know, there's a lot of things that you learn in school that may not necessarily be business related that will teach you how to be an entrepreneur, but it teaches you a lot of disciplinary things. So I would always say, you know, at least graduate high school. Okay. So you never finished a degree? No. All right. But I see you go to work as a part-time project manager for 
Lo and behold. Lo and behold. So that was Trini, my, jungle my, juice. My, so prior, my first job was actually at McDonald's. So I didn't see that on LinkedIn. Kira. Yeah. So I mean, I wouldn't really put that on LinkedIn. <laughs> but my first job, I was 15 turning 16. I worked at McDonald's and I worked there for a year before going to Wendy's. And then I just kind of transitioned through different retail positions. So you know, every girl wants to work in a clothing store when she's young because then she gets a discount working at a clothing store. Right. Um, but I did a lot of sales positions. I did connect with Trini Jungle Juice. I was actually, I started off as one of their photographers and then was helping out as one of their team leads. So that was kind of, I would say, where I stepped into the entertainment phase of it before kind of doing more behind the scenes, coordinating projects, events, and that sort of thing. Okay, so it seems like you're always in customer service. So, I mean... yeah. Even staying on that path, you could have been on the path to being a flight attendant. Agreed. You know, because you're dealing with difficult people, you're serving food, you know, you're changing people from one mood to the other. Yeah. The only downfall is that the takeoff and landing, I'm not a big fan of. You're not? No. You live out your suitcase. <laughs> I know, but those two, like my insides are like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know? <laughs> so I think that's what hindered me from even attempting to apply for a job as a flight attendant. All right, so you're working at Trinity Jungle Juice, and in 2012, you decided it was going to go on. I am going to start my own brand. I'm going to incorporate a company named after myself. What's your thought process there? How do you get there? What was the thought process behind that? I think it's because I am known in the sense that I'm, I'm a big networker. So I believe in connecting with people everywhere I go. Like my phone book has maybe 5,000 contacts and it's all, everything is by like country and city because everywhere I go, I make it my business to reach out to people, to connect with people. So I think that, not to say that my name is a household name, but people know me. So I figure why not identify, have a brand that identifies specifically to me, like Cardinal Entertainment. It's an entertainment brand. Cardinal is who I am. I am at the forefront of the company. I am the one that's, you know, kind of controlling everything. So I figure it's self-explanatory. Okay. Kind of like Kara Loves Kids. Yes, Kara Loves. And we'll get there. We'll get there. You know, the foundation you have that, you know, it's all about taking care of the kids. You know, we love kids. Okay, so you made a statement there. You say you're a big networker. No. I think that's important there. I mean, yeah, everybody says, yeah, I can network. I'm a networking ninja. But <laughs> it's, good ninja. To, yeah, it's good to break that down to show the people the moves, the steps. It takes to really build that network because, I mean, anybody could just get up and say, yeah, I, I'm a networker. But how do we network? How do you build its connection? Because I see, I see you're fairly well connected, especially entertainment space. So how do you go about doing that? So, I mean... At the end of the day, it's just basically, you know, anywhere you go, you should be connecting with someone. So whether it be a random situation, you're at the library or you're at a restaurant or because you never know who you're going to meet. Right. So I am just a very personal person overall. So I can have a conversation with somebody that lives on the street or somebody who's the CEO of a company. It doesn't matter who you are, but I feel like we are all on the same level you know, we're all human beings and we can all interact with each other on the same level. So for me, it's not to sound vain, but it's very simple for me because I am a personal person. So I will just see you and I'll be like, hey, so, you know, what do you do? Where are you from? And kind of start off that conversation. But I'm also very good at outreach. So I always follow up with the people that I've met to check in and see how they're doing. You know, if we go out for a night message and say, hey, did you get home? Because it really is about connecting and showing that you actually, it's not necessarily just about, you know, I want to do business with this person. This is what it is. You have to build a relationship with this person. You have to show this person that you actually are invested or care about more than how can we make money together? Because it's an emotional connection, you know? So that would be my opinion on that. Yeah. 
you know, people always talk about going to networking events. And I, what I, I hate networking events that are just networking events. So say, there's no follow through after. Not only there's no follow through, but there's no theme. Right. So like a general networking event is a big waste of your time. Let's say it's a networking event where you have creatives. You have people who work in the corporate sector. You have people who work in the sector. It's like, what are you doing? For a networking event to be effective, it needs to be specialized. So I know last night you went to... Uh, Uncovered. Un- right, you went to Uncovered. Okay, well, shout Uncovered, out, shout out to shout you. Shout out to Patrice <laughs> you Yeah, so you went to Uncovered, which was a networking event for creators. I know you had other people like Rome and Kivo there. Yeah. Who've also been on the show. You should check out them. You can check out the okay, episodes. I will, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there, there was a lot of really, really awesome people that were there. Precision Productions, mm-hmm. Advocate, uh, Pops. There was a lot of creatives from the industry that were there. Right. Okay, so tell me about... How you started, I mean, I know we spoke about networking just now, but how did you actually break into this soccer scene? Because I see your people like Private Ryan, you got Ricardo True, you got Skinny. As part of your clientele, as part of your network, no. And I see you extremely busy during this carnival season. But just kind of walk us through any example of that first encounter with these people. The first encounter would have been through Trini Jungle Juice. Uh-huh. Because I was doing interviews with Trini Jungle Juice. We were doing a five minutes with segment. So that's actually one of the first interviews that I did was with Skinny. It was called Five Minutes With. So it was a super fun written interview. You're just asking random questions. What's in your pocket? You know, like that sort of thing. (laughs) So a lot of the guys I would say that I've met kind of being around in the soca scene. So when I moved to Toronto, I've always loved soca growing up. So I needed to find that market in Toronto to tap into to feel like I was still close to home. So I was going to a lot of soca parties and, you know, being a young female, you're interacting with everybody because everybody wants to know, like, who are you and your girls and, you know, whatnot. So, <laughs> so you're saying, you're saying, you're saying these artists will try to pick you no, up. No, 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 not, not the artist, not the artist, just in general, like okay. the, the industry, you know, you were able to go to a lot of events because promoters want, you know, girls to come to their events. So they'd mm-hmm. be like, hey, you know, we're sending you some passes. Come check this out. So I started going out a lot in Toronto and then, through working with Trini Jungle Juice and then kind of just networking on my own, being at the events, talking to the DJs, because I've always, I love music at the end of the day. So the conversations were always about, you know, the progression of soca music and so forth. So definitely it would have been in Toronto going to soca events. Even a lot of people don't know, I joined a steel band in Toronto when I was, I want to say I was maybe 20, 22. Can't play to save my life. You just about to ask that. I can play tenor bass. I can play, you know, the easy songs, like a Alive and Well, two minutes kind of situation. That's good. But to play a panorama song, it's never going to happen. I don't really think I'm actually musically inclined. But the steel band to me made me feel, again, close to home. So every summer I would dedicate two months out of my life with Afropan Steel Band. And we would there, I would be in the pan yard, people would be practicing and I'm doing everything else. I'm helping make sure the kitchen is run, but I just wanted to feel a part of it, even though I wasn't really musically inclined. So I would play the road songs when we were on for Caravana and even go to competition. But I was more of just a supporter than anything, you know? So it was very important for me to find my roots in Toronto because I wasn't able to get that being there. Yeah, something about that. I was literally just about to ask that. I like how you segue into what I'm thinking. So That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> like a genie. All right, so you're training good. You fly across to Toronto and I see that, you know, you're still kind of grappling. Hey, you're creeping this, creeping flag this. So like, how was it kind of finding your identity in this multicultural city? It was very difficult for sure. I got picked on, like, so the high school that I went to were a lot of Guyanese 
Jamaicans, but then a lot of Canadians. So I actually used to get picked on, bullied in school. Like my elementary, because I got there, the high school here would have been like the last year of elementary in Toronto. So that first year that I moved there was the last year of school. And it was a horrible experience. Like people didn't speak to me because they were like, she's fresh off the boat because I'm going there with the thickest Trini accent ever. And people used to pick on me all the time. Like I got jumped in school. Yeah, it was just a horrible experience. And, you know, going into high school, thank God my older brother was in the high school that I attended. He was now finishing up high school there. So I had a kind of a big brother to look out for me and make sure that nobody troubled me. But the high school that I went to kind of had a more diverse community of Caribbean people. So I was able to adapt a little bit better. But I always still found myself just keeping in contact with all my Trini friends. Like I would go home after school and call my best friends from Trinidad. And, you know, just I would never really interact as much with the kids in my school, like during the day and during school. Yeah, but I never really went out and hung out with kids like that because for me, there was a barrier. Like they didn't really understand where I came from, even though the school was relatively diverse, but they were all like Jamaicans born in Canada. Their parents were either living in Canada or born in Canada. So they didn't even understand where they came from. So it was really, really hard, but I love Trinidad. You know, growing up here, I just learned so much and it was just such an amazing experience. The best school that I went to was Holy Fade Convent. Like my vice principal, Miss Amo Ali, I will forever remember her because being a part of that school was like being a part of a, a sisterhood, you know, and it was a genuine love. Obviously, it's school. So there's a lot of bickering and, you know, that cattiness and stuff. Right. But the overall aspect of it was was a love like, you know, the form sixes used to look out for me, like people like Kimmy Leanis and Leah Gopal. They were like five years older than me, but they really treated me as though I was a part of that sisterhood. So. You know, I think I kind of segued away from the initial question, but no, I you think go, you go, you but go. like I said, it was definitely difficult, but I stayed true to what I loved and I used that to propel me to just continue to just do more for my culture and, you know, learn more about my culture. So would you say that you still kind of feel like you connect more with your Caribbean people than with the people up in North America? Because like you said, you live out your suitcase now. <laughs> so is it like when you don't want to plant any roots up there? What's happening? So definitely. I had moved to Miami like three years ago and the goal is to permanently reside in Florida because Florida gives me the best of both worlds. I'm three hours away from Trinidad. I'm three hours away from Toronto. So, you know, family-wise, it's super easy. But you also have the American customer service, which I love. And then I have the <laughs> island love. field. So, you know, like I have the island field, sorry, of the beaches and, and so forth. So ideally, that is the place that I would, you know, like to permanently reside. But in the time being, I have so many ongoing projects that require me to always be on the move, which is why I say that, you know, I live out of my suitcase. One of my hashtags is Jet Setter Chronicles. That's mine. That's me, you know, all day, every day. I love to travel because I think it really it really helps you to also become a better person because you yeah. go through so many experiences and you see so many people in so many different situations that it makes you really appreciate the things that you have in your life and the blessings that you have, you know. But with regards to your question, I don't think that there's a barrier because now that I know, like I understand my culture more and I love my culture so much more that anybody that I talk to, I put it, I shove it in their face. Like I, <laughs> I'm just like, I don't care where you're from. You could be from Mexico. You could be from Australia. My conversation is going to be, I come from Trinidad and Tobago and it's, it's the most amazing place on earth. And you have to come to carnival and you need to listen to soca music because it's the happiest music ever. And you need to try our food and you need to come because our people are so hospitable. That's my conversation. So right. I, I'm bullying them a little bit. <laughs> All right, Ambassador Kira. 
All right, so I want to switch it up a little bit. So five years ago, you started a foundation, Kira Loves Kid. It's Kara. Kara. Yeah. It's not Kira. It's Kara. So you Kara. have me saying Kira it's okay, all the time. You know, no, but now you want to correct me. <laughs> no, that being recorded. You it sounded like me. you were like adamant about it. So I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm flexible. All right, Kara. So, <laughs> so you started this foundation, Kara Loves Kids. Tell us about that. So my grandmother passed away. May she rest in peace. And when she passed away, I started just reevaluating my life because my grandmother was one of those people that I would say she was a pillar in the community because she was one that always gave. Like my grandmother didn't come from a lot, but she always gave. There was always children in the community that would come to her house for food that, you know, their parents may not have cooked or they didn't have somewhere to stay. And my grandmother would just take them in. And like I said, she was not well off, but she gave as much as she could. And I always grew up around that. You know what I mean? And I used to look at her and admire her. And my mom and my grandmother, that's my mom's mom, are my heroes because they're both the same people. So when she passed away, I started, you know, reevaluating and trying to figure out what was I doing that was substantial? What was I leaving as my legacy? What was I doing to leave that mark? And at that point, I felt that I really wasn't doing anything. You know, I was working in entertainment. I was doing certain other things, but like nothing that was really substantial to me. And I've always loved kids. I don't have any kids of my own, but all of my friends, all of my cousins, like when I am around their kids, I am like Auntie Kara, the best auntie in the world because I just love being around them because they are so innocent. They are so pure. And the love that they have to give is so unconditional and feelings like that, you don't get that often. You know what I mean? So when she passed away, I decided that I love kids. I want to give back. They're the future and it was just, everything just kind of came together. And I'm like, what am I going to name this organization? Kara loves kids. I love kids. Self-explanatory to the point. This is what it is. So this project means so much to me. Like it's definitely one of those, those projects that it touches my, my heart, you know, because Time is a very important thing to me. So a lot of people give and, you know, they drop, drop toys and they drop this. But to me, I think that time is more important. So I go above and beyond when it comes to that, where it's like I am allocating six hours to go to an orphanage and sit down and hang out with the kids and run up and down and listen to their stories and just really bond with them. I remember the second orphanage I work with was, um, it's in Takarigua, not Operation Smile. St. Mary's home. There we go. Right. (laughs) So I went to St. Mary's home and we did a sports day. So we had running games and catch and the thing you run, you drink the chubby and you run back and you eat a piece of cake. And, you know, so we were doing all of that stuff. And one of the girls, this was the second time I had visited and did something. And one of the girls, she was about 15, kept walking around and following me. And she's like, Miss Kara, she's like, you know, I don't want you to think that I'm creepy or I'm like stalking you or anything. She's like, but I really just wanted you to know that this means a lot to us. And she's like, I'm speaking Uh on behalf of everybody here. She's like, you know, a lot of people drop things off for us and a lot of people donate, but they don't want to spend time with us. And I had a tear come down my face because I'm like, can you imagine as a child that you feel, you just feel neglected or you're not good enough that people want to come and spend time with you. You know, you're in a situation that it's not your fault. Your parents may have done something or whatever the situation may be that you ended up in an orphanage. So you feel neglected and you feel unloved. And when she said that to me, that motivated me to ensure that no matter what, I would always follow through and do something. You know what I mean? That I would. So I always go and visit them. I started working with another orphanage in Central, closer to where I grew up. And I've gone to see them. We actually, I did a cooking session with them. So I taught them how to make pizza. We made cake. So, you know, 
again, I just feel like so connected to the project because it's kids. Like they deserve to feel loved and they deserve to have people that genuinely believe in them. Okay. Is it you alone running this foundation? Yes. But I do. My friends are huge supporters. So on event day, all of my friends come out and support, you know, they're helping run this event. They're hanging with the kids. So, you know, shout out my team, Brandon Tate, Atia, Chandra Maharaj. Like, you know, that's my core Trinidad team that always supports these types of events. All right, team. All right, oh, nice. <laughs> so in May of last year, 2018, you started a movement called yes. Caribbean Women's Power, Power lunch. lunch. Yes, yes. Not no, to, I did not steal your name, guys. Uh, nobody said, hey, listen, podcast will be. <laughs> he gave me a look just now. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me a side eye, guys. Don't trust him. <laughs> All right, so I want to know how that came about and, you know, what's the impetus behind it? So I work in entertainment. Yes. We all know that entertainment is a male-dominated industry. Is it? Immediately? You know, I would say in Caribbean entertainment it is. I'm not going to say urban and, you know, everywhere else, but I believe that the Caribbean entertainment world is male dominated. There's not a lot of females. Like I can give you the handful that I know that are doing PR and that are doing management and so forth that are in management. So a lot of my friends are male. A lot of my mentors are male. And I just started realizing that, you know, my circle of female support isn't very large. Now, that's not a problem. But I started looking at other circles and I started having more conversations with other females about their circles. And I just realized that there was a need for female empowerment within the Caribbean because there's a huge lack. Like there is not a lot of support. There's not a lot of events. There's not a lot of platforms that create spaces for women to come together. Now, there are spaces. There's just not a lot. So I felt that it was an opportunity for me to create a space to foster growth and sisterhood and create a support system for other women to come together and feel empowered, really. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. We want everyone to feel empowered. We want to help everyone live their best lives. We want everyone to live up to their best potentials. Like, it makes me so happy to see people succeed. Like, there's a lot of people that may think differently about that. But when I see someone chasing their dreams and like things are happening and you know they're just happy living out their purpose it makes me so excited because I'm like that's where we all need to be you know we all need to believe in ourselves and we all need to go after the things that makes that fire inside of you know like burn so for me this platform was perfect because again I wanted to create that space I saw the need for it and it's been very well received like the event has been held in Toronto twice and most recently, Miami. I am not super familiar with the Miami market, so I was very nervous about doing it in Miami. I sold out the event in Miami as well as Toronto. But you know, like I was, it was a challenge for me to do it in Miami. But the feedback that I got prior to the event, during the event, after the event again, made me realize that this is where I need to be. Like, I finally feel I love entertainment. I love working with artists. I love music and I will forever do that. But I feel like I finally found something that is my purpose and I'm fulfilling it because I've always loved people. I have a, a huge passion for people, which is why I think, you know, I could talk to anybody. Like, I'm just, I love talking to people. I love connecting with people. So being able to implement my love for people as well as my logistics of 
planning events. It's the perfect combination. So I definitely feel fulfilled in being able to produce this type of event and create a movement that allows for women to come together and have empowering conversations and build together. Okay. When I look at Caribbean Power Lunch, I would say 80% of the ladies I interview on this podcast, they always have some sort of women's empowerment agenda, something. Mm -hmm. There's always a link to that. And I know recently there was another brunch in here targeted towards empower women. And there are a few events like that. So I want to know like what makes yours different? I know you mentioned that your audience is more, you're in the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. right? So you do have those connections, you have that network, but what makes your women's power lunch, your Caribbean women's power lunch different than the other women empowerment platforms that are out here right now? Because I'm doing it. So that's where it's different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Honestly, I have never attended any of these other events, so I'm not sure what they bring to the table, but I'm sure it's a lot of positivity and a lot of amazingness and magical experiences. But for me, I give everything that I do my all, and I believe very strongly in this project. So when it comes to Caribbean Women's Power Lunch, I devote my everything. Like, for instance, my outreach for this, a lot of people may not necessarily randomly hit up people and say, you know, check out this event or check out this movement. It would be, let me post a flyer, send it through my network. That's not what I do. I spend hours at a time going on Instagram, going on Facebook, reaching out to people that I've never met in my life, going through their stories, going through their pages and reaching out saying, Hey, like I saw your post or I saw your page. And I think that this is something you'd be interested in and really connecting one-on-one. I think that that's what makes my event different. This is you personally. This is me this. personally. There's no, um, there's no I, bot. It's not a bot. I have... Because um, <laughs> it messaged me It messaged me a couple of days ago after we spoke. Like, no, wow. no, it's not a bot. It's myself. I also have, you know, my assistant that helps with that okay. as well. But I do a lot of outreach. So I believe in every person that attends my event. I want to know who you are. I want you to know who I am. I want to be able to connect with you on a greater level. I don't want it to be that. And all of my events are like this. My parties are like this. Everyone that attends my parties in Toronto, New York, I know 90% of the people that attend my events because I make it my purpose to always connect with them. So the people that come to my event come there with a feeling of, oh, I know this girl. And, you know, they come there excited off the bat because they've already connected with me. They already understand my vision. They already feel my energy. So, you know, I think that that makes a difference. It may not necessarily make a difference to everybody else, but I think that based on the feedback that I've received and the comments that I receive all the time, that that definitely makes a difference. I go all out for the intricate things of my event, you know, the takeaways of what they receive. The event is mine. The event is me giving me to it. Like everything that's me and everything that I love and my positive energy, like it's 101% that. So that's what makes it different. It's, it's all me. Well, yeah, nobody else could do a Kara Denner like you, like Kara Denner. So I want to know, you started off as a brunch and I know. So no, yes, it's everybody loves brunch. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do lunch. All right, let's go for it. So it started out as a lunch and it's still a lunch. <laughs> okay. All right. So how did you come up with the name again? No, I'm not accusing you of anything. Mm-hmm. So how did you come up with the name and everything? And what made you transition it from a brunch to a lunch? So the brunch aspect is all food related. So I think that it takes away from the purpose of the event, which is empowering 
connections. You know what I mean? And for the most part, you go somewhere, you eat, you want to drink, you want to lime. The focus is never really business related because, you know, when you're full, you want to relax and, you know, you get into a zone. So power lunch. um, Yeah, I just, you know, 500. (laughs) Um, Power lunch. When you think power lunch, you automatically think, okay, it's a quick thing. Power lunch is what a lot of business people do. You go out, you run out, you get a sandwich, you get a salad, back to your meeting, you're in a meeting. The food that they deliver is never, you know, rice and oxtail and callaloo and stew chicken and those things. So the power lunch aspect came from that because I wanted to identify very quickly when you looked at it, you knew exactly what the type of event it was. Caribbean, obviously, everything that I do is very straight to the point. Care Loves Kids, Care Denial Entertainment, Caribbean Women's Power Lunch. It's about Caribbean women. Not saying that other women are not welcome. I welcome every type of, wherever you're from in the world, you are more than welcome. But the focus is empowering Caribbean women. So Caribbean Women's Power Lunch, that's pretty much where that came from. So is it that the speakers alone have to be Caribbean women and diaspora? Yes. Okay. Understood, understood. So within this Caribbean framework, what do you think sets apart Caribbean women and Caribbean female entrepreneurs apart from from others? I think that we are very strong-minded. I think that we are very creative. Our imaginations are just, it's just beyond words, really. But I think that because of the culture that we come from, we are just very strong people. So we go out to the, into the world and automatically we feel as though we can take on anything. We're very, very driven people. And I think that that's really what sets us apart. We believe in our culture. We believe in everything that we've been brought up to learn. And that really reinforces that power. I think that a lot of Caribbean women have that power vibe of like, I got this, you know, and which is why it's always about just reinforcing it. We already have it within ourselves. So platforms like this help reinforce that, hey, you might forget who you are, but we're here to show you that you got this. You know what I mean? So. All right. So he focuses on Caribbean women, but what do you guys like? Can guys come? I know you. No. No, guys are not welcome. <laughs> not to say that they're not welcome. So it's an all women's event because. The dynamic of women together and the dynamic of women and men together is very different. The interactions, the energy, and not saying that when men come into it, it's negative, not at all, but it's a very different interaction. So I want women to come together and feel that they could just be themselves because we live in a society that there's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of, you need to be on point in the situation or you need to carry yourself in a certain way and whatnot. My platform allows for people to come and be themselves. When they call me and ask me, what should I wear? On the website, it says chic. But then what I say to them, wear what makes you feel beautiful. You can come in your Sunday best. You can come in a religious wear. You can wear whatever you want to wear. You come in what makes you feel beautiful because this platform allows for you to be yourself so that you can actually feel, when you feel that support from others, you know that it's coming from a genuine space. So men at this moment are not allowed to come. However, I do plan to have a male speaker or two male speakers involved in future events so that women can have the male perspective about women and women in business and maybe even women in relationships. I've had multiple men ask me about doing an all men's event. So I'm considering it. But again, it's all about just empowering one another. So I am more than happy to do an all men's event. I'm more than happy to do an all women's event. I'm more than happy to even have a male panelist at our event. But for the interim where this is now being introduced, the first rounds, I would like to keep it as all women. 
I know you've been in Miami. You've been in Toronto a couple of times, you know, in Trinidad and mm-hmm. in Tobago the week after that. Yes. So what's the other expansion plans for the event? So I'm currently in talks with Bermuda, Barbados as well, and England. So I would like to be able to target all of the major markets that have a lot of Caribbean people. Okay. What do you think we need? What resources do we need? What needs to happen in order to foster this woman's empowerment? Other than what you're doing right now, how do we get it to grow? How do we get the message at an even bigger scale? Because you have it at a fairly big scale already, but what needs to happen for it to be bigger? I think that there needs to be more groups. I think that there needs to be more platforms. Like my platform is not going to be the only platform that all of a sudden the whole world knows about this movement. Like there definitely needs to be more women involved. So, you know, even if it's on a smaller scale that women are doing events on a networking basis or doing workshops, I think that more women need to be more proactive in wanting to connect with other women and wanting to be able to share their knowledge and share their journeys and share their stories. So I think that there just overall needs to be more platforms, more events and more spaces, you know, whether it be Facebook groups or forums or blogs, but there really just needs to be more people actively connecting with each other and focusing on this. All right. So Kara, where can we find you? Everywhere. I love it. (laughs) Just look. (laughs) She's like God. (laughs) So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm not on Snapchat. Um, Those are all at Cara Donnell, K-E-R-R-A-D-E-N-E-L. My website is www.caradonnell.com. You can also check out Cara Loves Kids, which is caraloveskids.com the women's movement you can check us out on instagram it's caribbean wpl but yeah i'm very easy and i always tell people a lot of people are listening to this podcast feel free to message me like i I will answer the call i'm not gonna put my phone number out but it's on the website so you can find it there Um, but feel free to reach out if you have questions you need support in something if i can do it i would always be willing to assist i am one of the easiest people to get a hold of so feel absolutely Kara, (laughs) Kara, you're not one of the easiest people to get a hold of i am one of the easiest people to get a hold of i just may be busy when it comes to meeting up but it's i'm very easy to communicate with <laughs> okay, Kara. <laughs> but Be- make sure. Wait, let me. So let me plug think, think, Caribbean Women's Power Lunch. I'm not sure when this podcast is coming out, but the Trinidad edition is on March 31st at Hyatt from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. And we are moving to Tobago on April 6th from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Tickets are online at islandetickets.com or you can check the page and we'll make arrangements for you to do another payment. Has there been a challenge in terms of marketing an event in Trinidad than an event in Tobago a week apart? Yes, because I feel as though Tobagonians are not necessarily as tech savvy as Trinidadians. So social media promotion is not necessarily their biggest outlet to see things and so forth. So there's definitely been a challenge. But my panel of speakers in Tobago are absolutely amazing And they're literally on the ground, just connecting with people and, you know, doing it old school, which is like I said, my outreach, that's that's me. I will directly hit you up and message you because, yes, we can rely on social media. But if we don't have social media, what would we be doing? All right. So, Kara, (laughs) as we get ready to wrap, I'm going to give you open forum, open mic, open platform to say anything (laughs) 
that you might want to say that we have not covered here today? I just want to say that positivity is key. Maintain positivity in everything that you do. Do not let negativity and people distract you from your journey and your purpose. You are destined for greatness, each and every single one of you. And you need to believe that. And you need to continue to chase your passions and, you know, just do what makes you excited. Do what makes you smile. Do what makes you feel just amazing. I think that that's that's really what I would say. Like we live in a society that, again, there's a lot of judgment and people always talk about other people and their successes. And, you know, a lot of us are hindered from hearing these things, from wanting to do better and wanting to progress. But we're human and we are emotional beings. So those things are normal. But we have to surround ourselves with people that lift us higher. We have to have faith in our talents and what our purpose is to be here. And most importantly, we really just need to understand that anything we want to do, we can do. I love that. Love that. Podcast will, there you have it. Caribbean Women's Power Lunch with Kara Donnell. Subscribe to Caribbean Power Lunch at caribbeanpowerlunch.com slash subscribe. Check us out on CastBox, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And with that, Podcast World, Kara. Thank you, Kevin. It was absolutely amazing. Yes, it was amazing. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And everyone, have a blessed day. Cabin Studios, we are out. Peace. Ha, ha, ha.